0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We got humid rain in Southern California. I don't know where the hell I am right now. Our pets' heads are falling off. It's Thursday, that much I know, and it's off-season episode 109? Question mark? Pretty sure. Should be a fun one today, though, because, well, I didn't, you know, I got to admit, yesterday in the middle of the day, I didn't know what I was going to wake up and do. But then I got this little harebrained idea. Not that it hasn't been done a thousand times before. But instead of just joining the next available mock draft in Yahoo, and you get paired up with a bunch of weirdos, and, you know, they don't take it all that seriously, and three of them drop out, it's a whole to-do it's a whole to do. Thought I'd just see if folks on Twitter wanted to join it. So we did. On top of that, uh, this one is actually built to be a Roto mock. So as we're going through, I hope that folks treated it as such. And we'll get, I think, a little bit of a better idea of what this latest Yahoo board update has done to draft positions. And I think you'll see some of the injured, well, injury-prone guys, not injured guys, but injury-prone dudes going a little bit closer to where I'd expect them to go, as opposed to that last one we talked about last Friday where everybody that had even an inkling of injury went late, or like 90% of them did. So that should be pretty fun. I want to try to talk about this one. This will probably be a two-episode mock because it is a bit more geared towards the way that we actually handicap these players on the show. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know I like to keep these off-season episodes between 25 and 40 minutes long. I happen to talk a lot. My cross to bear. And uh, we'll take that and we'll get rolling here. So welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. A Sports Ethos presentation. Sportsethos.com, the website. E-T-H-O-S. That's how you spell ethos. I am Dan Vespris at Dan DanBespris on Twitter. D A N B E S. B-R-I-S. Handful of you are new Twitter followers, which means I think a handful of you are new podcast listeners, perhaps? If you are, welcome to everyone else. Thank you a thousand times over for your continued support, for listening all off-season long. I'm excited to see what this September can bring, see if we can blast past last September and listenership and participation, all that good stuff. And I hope you will chat with me over on social media because I'm starting to talk fantasy sports again after kind of I don't know. I I sent a few tweets out in the offseason, but not many, because there sort of isn't really a reason to between the end of the regular season and like kind of right around now. But we're getting back into that as well. I've got plenty of promos to talk about, but we're going to save those for the middle of the show because I don't want to lose you guys here. That's what we're talking about today on the pod, and so that's what we will romp into right now. And by romp, I mean, I want to start with a slight preface here on this one. And apologies to everyone that was in the mock draft. I didn't tell you I was going to be doing this beforehand, but I basically auto-drafted with some very slight tweaks. There was like a sort of an embarrassment factor in some of the potential auto-drafts. Like, I wasn't going to let myself get auto-drafted Russell Westbrook or something like that, because then you just look like a moron. But for the most part, if there was someone okay near the top of the board, like in the top three or four names listed, that was the direction I was going to go. I did no reaching at all in this mock draft because, and now I'll tell you why, I kind of I tricked you guys. I am, uh, I'm like John Turturro's character in Mr. Deeds. I'm very, very sneaky. The reason I did it this way, and I think most of you can already guess the answer, is because I want to see what everyone's doing. So last week, we did a mock draft on Friday, where I just dropped myself into the next Yahoo 9Cat head-to-head mock room. And that was fine. It was pretty fresh. That was a Friday. I did it on Thursday, actually, last week. It was pretty fresh after Yahoo updated their rankings. So it was somewhat shocking to see where a lot of the players were going. But what I didn't know for sure was that with these new rankings, was the last Thursday's mock result, was that a result of the shifting rankings? Was it a result of the fact that I was in a room with folks that were mocking but weren't paying attention? Some of them were. Two or three teams auto-drafted. And like I said earlier in the show, that turns out to be something of a big to-do. So this time around, thank you to the 11 of you that were active participants from Twitter that jumped into this mock draft and gave me a better indicator of where people paying attention are taking players. Nothing is set in stone. This is all just one data point out of millions, frankly, that we need. But I do think that if you're going to say, do we get more information from this data point, or do, get, do we get more information from the Dan drops into a random room data point, the answer is this one. How much more? Debatable, but it is more. So that's why I didn't really target anyone. I think that's misleading. I don't want to be the guy that takes someone off the board, because I want to know when all of you would be taking that player off the board, if that makes sense. So with that important preface, now we can go ahead and dive in. And like usual, we can basically just start at pick two, because y'all know who's going at pick one. It's worth pointing out that the the Yahoo pre-ranks have sort of readjusted the top couple names back to what they were before. However, as is often the case, Giannis... And Luca usually, although not as much, Luca in this one do get a bump up the board. So in this particular draft, Luke, uh, Giannis, excuse me, went second overall. Which certainly, if you're going to take either Giannis or Luca in the number two spot, you would lean to the Giannis side. Still, you know, I made it pretty clear that this was a roto draft. So, is this too soon on Giannis? I would argue, probably. Because you don't really want to build a punt free throw team in Roto. That'll detonate you pretty fast unless you just destroy in almost everything else. That's that's the difference, really, between Roto and head-to-head. In head-to-head, if you punt free throws, which means you're basically building a team that's going to be very good, just inherently, in field goal percent, rebounds and blocks. Your team's going to be very good in those because it's going to be a little more big man heavy. And then you hope that you can also add two to three other categories where you are pretty darn good. And in fact, like, you're probably going to be decent in turnovers in a punt free throw team because you're probably not leaning too hard into a big time guard lineup. But then there are guards like DeJounte Murray that kind of fit that build a little bit where they will get you some assists and they lean into the rebounding and the field goal percent and stuff like that, and so maybe then you can get really good at steals is a possibility in such a build. You need, what, two more? If you want to be really, really good in six? Because if you're in a punt free throw team, you're probably not going to be that good at three pointers. You could cover it, but a lot of those guys happen to also be good shooting free throws. In Roto, you can't... If you're going to punt something, it has to be just one thing. And it can't have that trickle-down punt effect where you're like, okay, well, I'm a punt-free-throw team, but that also kind of means I'm not that great at three points. Maybe I'm not that awesome at scoring, although you know you can make up a lot of that. So maybe you're still fine at scoring, but I'm probably not that good in threes, probably not that awesome in assists. There is a way around it, but it's imperfect. This team did a pretty good job of it, by the way. Just to don't think that I'm picking on them here. You just have to be so careful. There's no wiggle room at all. In head-to-head, if you're punting free throws and you happen to also be a team that's bad at three-pointers and something else, you're not going to win in Roto. In head-to-head, you could still win. I mean, you're still You could still be very good at six categories. Being good in six out of nine in Roto, you lose. If you punt something in Roto, it has to be a, I would suggest at least, a mid-season decision where maybe your team was like third from the bottom in a particular category, and you decided to give up those two Roto points and just fall to the bottom and trade whatever player might actually be okay in that category for someone who's also very good in something else or maybe two other things, and you can gain back more Roto points than you lose. There's there's an ROI to it, where on the head-to-head side... You want to be awful in those three things right from the outset because you want to start racking up wins and the other stuff early. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo! say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Joel Embiid went third. Kevin Durant went fourth. I happen to like both of those. If you want to flip them, I'm fine with that as well. You guys heard my week-long discussion of guys that I think should go number two in roto leagues, and I think it's those two guys because outside of Jokic, you know, those are the guys that have a an outside shot at being anywhere near number one player in in per game value. And then we just hope that they survive the year. Steph Curry went five. Uh, He had been dropping a little bit. Seems like he's moved back up the board just a tad. James Harden has been on the rise lately. He went six in this one, and I bring that up as interesting because he's been pretty well jammed in there at the 10-11 range. He was 11. I think he moved up to 10 in the most recent Yahoo readjustment, but he's been going earlier than 10 in now both of our recent mock drafts, and I think in, in a lot of drafts lately, he's been moving up the board. I don't know. Do we think that holds? Maybe. You know, like I talked about on this show, I, I think there's a lot of really good vibes in Philadelphia. Harden would have a long way to go to jump Jason Tatum in ADP to get into that nine spot, but it does feel like he's someone who's moving up as opposed to the other way or even static. Just something to keep in mind. Trey Young went at seven. How far would Trey—here's an interesting question to, to sort of pause our trip through this mock draft— How far would Trey Young have to fall to where I'd now start to consider him again? Because we know he's going to be durable. Outside of catastrophic injury, he'll be fine. He doesn't. He plays through the little stuff, which is, I mean, that's, effectively, that's what we're talking about with durability. Does a guy play through ankle sprains and knee tweaks and back hurts and those little ailments where some guys might take one, two games off, Trey takes zero to one. It's a big deal, because the guy that takes two games off for all of those, three or four of them a year, now you're talking about potentially eight games, where with Trey, it's between zero and four. That makes a big difference over the course of an entire season. It sounds small, but that one game here and there is a thing. But per-game stuff, you've got to figure his role decreases with DeJounte Murray in town. He was 11 per game last year, huge by totals, because he played in 76 out of 82 games. He was number four in that department, and I've always stressed how important it is to have early round picks that play. But what about a guy who was, say, like mid-second round that was extremely durable? Was it more like a lamella ball from last year who was late teens pushing 20? He played in most of the games, and he got up to number eight. So is this now, with Trey Young going at seven in this draft, is this a more reasonable spot for Trey to go? I think the answer is kind of yeah. Like when he was... And he's still pre-ranked third, I believe, on Yahoo. In fact, we can triple-check ourselves on that. No, he actually fell behind Embiid now. He's number four, which to me is is too early because that's where he was last year, and that was without DeJounte Murray. But how far could you really push him down when someone's that good and generally pretty durable? I would say at seven, you've still sort of beyond maxed him out. But if this trend continues and Trey slips behind Tatum, and slips behind Luca, and suddenly now you could get him at 9 or 10, I'm actually for it. Because I think he's probably in that 16 to 20, early 20s range per game, probably plays in 70-something games, and probably ends up maybe near the turn by totals. Which, you know, take a guy at 10, he ends up at 12, you call that a hit, basically. Because in the first round, you just want someone that gets to where you took them. Luca went at eight. By the way, golf clap for all of you guys. I had a feeling this is something that might happen when you got some dedicated roto fantasy players into a room together. Luca goes later. Jason Tatum at nine. That's a pretty good spot for him. LaMelo Ball at 10. That's where he's been going. Damian Lillard at 11. This is something I thought would happen. We've been watching these numbers. Dame has been slowly climbing in ADP, but he hasn't really been able to jump over the likes of Kyrie Irving. Or, well, John Moran, he's going to be ahead of John Moran anytime very soon. Jaw's falling because of the pre-rank adjustment. I just, I keep thinking Dame is going to pass Kyrie and be a guy who goes on the turn. And when I say on the turn, I basically mean 11, 12, 13, or 14. I kind of lumped two teams into that bucket. I know that's inaccurate. Sorry. But that's where I am. But he went at 11 here, most notably in front of a few guys that, pretty typically go before he does. That's something to keep an eye on. If you get into a more competitive league, do you see Dame go earlier in all of them, or was this an outlier? We'll find out when we do more of these. Here's one that surprised the crap out of me. Carl anthony Towns went at 12, which, look, I get it. I'm down on Towns this year in terms of what Rudy Gobert being around is going to do to his per-game production in specifically rebounds, and I think also trickling a bit to field goal percent. But he was 8 per game last year. He was 3 by totals last year. There's kind of no reason for him to fall this far. Adjusting down is one thing, but adjusting from 3 to 12, and we're looking at this by totals again, that is a huge drop-off. J.J.J., who you probably didn't expect me to say his name right now, but I'm saying it because he was number 14 last year by totals because he was very durable. But on a per-game basis, he was in the late 30s. That's basically what you're saying you think Cat is going to be this year by drafting him at 12. Now, J.J.J. is a little bit of an extreme one because he played in 78 out of 82 games last year, and maybe you think that cat's more like 74, 75. So, okay, fine. There isn't a great, perfect comparison on that mark from this last season. But basically, someone playing in a ton of ball games. We already talked. We already told you Lamelo was outside of the top 20 per game, played in 75 games, and he was number eight. So worse than that. So you're talking like mid to late 20s per game and durable would be your handicap of Cat if you really think he should be going at 12. You think I agree with that? No, I think this is a steal. I don't think this is something that happens regularly. I think that everybody's just sort of got caught up in it here. Um, He should be going in front of Luca. He should probably be going in front of Dame. He should probably be going in front of LaMelo Ball. The other stuff is a bit arguable, but Cat going later than 9... I think is a, a pretty good grab. And the only way that this one blows up in your face is if he gets hurt. Because there is a possibility that he falls back towards that same thing like with Trey, like 16 to 22 per game is possible with Cat. You could see that sort of erosion. I don't think it'll be quite that far, but it's possible. And then, I mean, he still gets this mark with even a little bit of durability there. Now, as much as I love getting Cat at 12, I'm not a huge fan of getting John Morant at 13. I don't think he makes sense on the Roto side. He has been neither durable nor a per-game monster. I need one of those two things if I'm taking a guy this early. So, uh, as happy as I was about this dude getting Cat at 12, I'm less thrilled about that pick at 13. Especially when you consider some of the names that went in the middle of the second round. Uh, Although not this next one. This still, uh, this is interesting because... Uh, Anthony Edwards went at 14 here after he went at 13 in our last mock, and he's nowhere near any of this stuff in ADP. ADP is 27.1. He's pre-ranked 25. Uh, he was 30 last year by totals and was somewhat durable. So you're talking about a huge huge flying leap for Edwards which is possible free throw percent goes from 78 and a half to 82 field goal goes from 44 to 45 and half, 46 you're starting to push it a little bit but I don't you know I don't know how much more he does on a team that has that many options someone's gonna have to get hurt to clear the runway for him to get that much run but I get it because some of these other names are pretty risky. Anthony Davis was third off the board in the second round. I actually really like him there. Especially if the Lakers make a trade. I think the I really want to see the 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 feelings get better around the Lakers before I take the plunge on Anthony Davis. And so if I had the option here, Kyrie Irving going just behind him at pick 16 is the direction I would have gone. Because the the vibes in Brooklyn somehow are actually better than the vibes in L.A. Presently. That might not be the case four weeks from now, but that's where we're at. Tyrese Halliburton went at 17. It seems like everybody just forgot about LeBron, who was top five per game last season. And again, there's a vibes thing going on here, but LeBron was also an example of someone who was so freaking good per game uh, that despite missing almost a third of the season, he was still number 16 by totals. So yeah, I mean, this is a really easy spot to take him. Paul George went at 19. No, no big surprise there. That's about where he's going to go, and that's a pretty reasonable spot for him. Booker at 20. I'm good with that. Freddie Van Vliet at 21 because this is an interesting spot too, and it's actually interesting because of the next four five, six, seven names that came off the board. This is the spot where we had previously witnessed Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland going. They were almost like a a package here in the latest Yahoo revamp of their their board. And my assumption was safe, I think, in saying that they were both going to start going lower, but we didn't really know where. And I still don't think we really know where until Yahoo rebuilds their second round and third round. All we knew is that other guys were going to jump them. So, Freddie Van Vliet jumped him. DeMar Rosen went uh, at 22. It's pretty early for DeMar, but, you know, that's... Again, this is sort of up where he is. His pre-rank is 21. I don't think we should be that surprised at this point. DeMar is bonus at 23. I'm good with that. Kawhi Leonard at 24. I think, again, this is a shimmering example of what's happening in a competitive roto draft where folks are going to be less terrified of Kawhi's rest days because if you're getting him in the late 20s his per game upside is top five and so you kind of don't even care if he misses 25 ball games I was really curious where Kawhi was going to go in this draft he was one of the names that I was watching most closely and I'll probably jump into some other roto mocks that I may or may not discuss on the podcast. I'm only I'm trying to do this like once a week or so. I don't want to wear out the mock draft thing. But there was a lot of interesting stuff here. Because we did a different format. And this is sort of after the Yahoo board has settled a little bit. But this is, this is very much a Roto play. Where I think if you're in a head-to-head league. You see Kawhi continue to go later and later. Because everybody's petrified of him. Even though they should be petrified of half of the guys we've talked about already. But in Roto... I mean, honestly, anything past like 18 is juicy as hell for Kawhi. But how far will could he possibly go? You start to take him on. I mean, really, like after LeBron, you go Booker, Kawhi. That, I mean, that's a that's the direction. Time Lord first off the board in round three, which again, uh, this is one of our I think longtime followers here as well. Uh, I don't think Time Lord's going to go there in most drafts. His ADP is 37. By the way, I don't dislike it. Let me rephrase what I'm saying here. I don't dislike the play. Uh, He is, however, injury-prone. He has a ton of per-game upside. We know that about him. He's had stuff in the finals. He had stuff throughout the offseason, so there's a little bit of a fear factor there. I actually, as much as I love Robert Williams, I probably don't take him to start the third round because there are simply safer plays there, especially here for this particular team who obviously has Nikola Jokic, so they can kind of do no wrong. But after going the Kawhi Leonard route, you kind of don't want to double up on that kind of player because as much as you love the per-game upside, if you're suddenly now filling in 50 missed games for your second and third round picks, they better be pretty good... Or the sort of totals... Okay. Boink! Put a pin in this discussion. We're going to come back to it after I finish talking about round three. And then I think, well, maybe we'll just get up to the halfway point here because we're already at some 25-odd minutes. Uh, Here's what I want to do the rest of this podcast. I want to get through a couple more names on this board. Um, Damn, I really want to get through round three, but I'm going to have to do it a lot faster than we're going right now. I need to remind you guys about the draft guide. And I want to talk about this this totals versus per game concept in Roto and just get into it a little bit more. But I can't do all of it, so I have to pick and choose. So what I'm going to do first is, and I have to do this every day. Guys, gals, everybody, go to sportsethos.com. For goodness sake, go to sportsethos.com. And get yourself a fantasy pass or a draft guide today. We added a streaming tool, a schedule grid, an ADP tracker to the already robust player profiles, team previews. You got every position categorized. Centers, power forwards, point guards, the whole thing, all the way down the board. That's the player profiles. The team previews as minute per game, per game per projections mixed in there you got guys that busted out in the second half last year that are still functioning like sleepers this season you've got factor fiction you've got beginner's guides and you have so much more on the way the brewski 150 just mere weeks away from the fantasy pass even sooner in ethos 360 if you're in a sports betting get the 360 package because that's got the earliest access to the brewski 150 it also has the wager pass the dfs pass Fantasy Pass all rolled in together. If you're just a season-long fantasy player, the Fantasy Pass is perfect. It's $5.99 a month. It's a six-month membership. You can cancel at the end of six months, or you can let it ride. You'll have all the draft guide stuff, earlier access to the B-150, and all the in-season premium access here at Sports Ethos. If you're a crazy person and you only want draft guide materials, that's available as well. Sportsethos.com. It's very easy to find. You just go either to the NBA tab, and you can click on the draft guide. It's in the one of the, the lists in the drop-down there. Or you can go to the premium tab. It's all listed there as well. Really easy to find. We revamped the menus over at Sports Ethos. Really excited to move some of the Q&A stuff back into our forums this year. Going to get video Q&As back in the mix this season. So much to do. And again... It's not that I'm begging. I actually think this is more than worth your while. If you want to win your league, this is the way you do it. But also, it powers sports ethos. This is how we continue to expand, grow, bring so many awesome minds into one place, and uh, how I can keep doing this podcast year-round. So check out the draft guide and the fantasy pass at sportsethos.com, and uh, I'll be tweeting about it as well. Uh, Recruiting pitch, all still out there. If you want to cover a team as a podcaster, if you want to write about fantasy, hit me up on Twitter at Dan DanBespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do follow me over there as well uh, because I'll be continuing to talk about all of this stuff. And the other thing we're going to talk about on today's show, really wanted to get through the third round, but you know what? We can do that on tomorrow's show. That'll roll through the weekend. I think it's really important, actually, that I mention one thing here. On the totals per game discussion. I've... I've Historically, and recently too... So I guess all-encompassingly... I've talked about how guys at the top... I weight totals heavily. I do. And so when you look at someone like... uh, Kawhi... Who could be a top 8 per game fantasy guy this year... Pretty easily. Frankly... But probably only plays in about sixty out of the eighty two ball games and that probably does keep him pretty close to the edge of the first round possibly even still in it and we talked about someone like a time lord who's probably he was on the turn this last season. I don't know how much they push him based on you know all the little injury stuff but let's assume that his role is largely unchanged and so he's an early second rounder per game and he also plays in about sixty out of eighty two ball games or something in that neighborhood. And we saw this last year, that dropped him into the early third round. So if there's any drop-off at all, that would move him into the early to mid, call it, third round. Now with Roto, one of the beauties of looking at totals is that you also bring in, we've talked about this before, last year I, I said, you know, you fill in the game with Dante DiVincenzo. So, you know, 60 games of Robert Williams and 22 games of Dante DiVincenzo. I think I even just said 22 DiVincenzo's. And this coming season, I don't know who that, you know, edge of streamer guy is going to be. We'll see at some point. But the point is, you have these games you're logging in the, in the book, and then you can also tack on the missing games with a streamer. There is kind of an energy tax that goes along with that that I doesn't really get... Caught in the mathematics because obviously, if you're looking at math, whoever has the better totals rank in roto, we're just we're still talking about roto here, is the better play for your team, especially at the front end of the draft because you know, then you're not like filling out missing categories or whatever it is. So, like, looking at last year, Kevin Durant was number 12 in 55 ball games. Steph Curry was number 13 in 64 ballgames. In Roto, that actually makes KD substantially better because you're able to fill in 27 DiVincenzos, where with Steph Curry, you're only able to fill in 18 DiVincenzos. In head-to-head, it kind of flips. The problem that I was starting to talk about for a team that might go Kawhi Leonard at 24 and Robert Williams at 25 is that at a certain point, your DiVincenzos actually do get slightly worse. There is a slight, it's slight, but it's not nothing, tapering, where if your second and third best players miss 50 games combined, you're filling in, say, half of those with your, I don't know, just say 11th best player, and then half of those with your 12th best player. And then if anyone else on your team misses games, you're filling in those games with your 13th best player and your your 14th best player and and the streaming capability of your team actually gets slightly worse. It is damn near impossible to quantify this. In a say, okay, well, you know, I took Kevin Durant, he's going to miss or I took Kawhi Leonard, he's going to miss 22 ball games. I'll fill in those 22 games with a Dante DiVincenzo. Not this year. I'm talking about like two seasons back. We came up with that analogy, which was a guy that was like, you know, top 110 type of value. Okay, great. But when your second guy goes down, your pickup is likely to be somewhat worse. Now you're filling it in with a top 125 guy. And if you have a third guy that goes down, now you're filling in the missing games with a top 135 guy. And it goes on like that, where you simply can't fall that far behind, or you start to have to play bad players to make up the ground. So, what I'm the point of all of this is to say it's not always so cut and dry that you want the guy with the higher per game upside. Even in roto games cap. For one player, two players, maybe that's the case, but you simply can't have that many hurt guys, or it does start to put a dent into your ability to keep up in games played. And if you fall behind in that, then you start to have to play guys that are worse. And so it almost sounds contradictory for me to say, I love. Kawhi Leonard at 24 and I also love Robert Williams at like 30 but I don't love them together at 24 and 25 or 20 you know 20 I guess it would have to be 24 and 25 because that's where these two teams get their picks but just like fundamentally in your head taking one as your second rounder and the other as your third it puts you in a position that's so precarious that you basically have to draft really healthy guys for the next three, four, five rounds in a row because you don't want to have to go that deep into streaming. You don't want to have more than four guys hurt or you literally can't field a proper starting lineup for your team. I'm a big fan of lagging a little bit behind in games played, 15, 20, 25 games. But if you're not fielding a proper team... Because you don't want to play a streamer that's top 130 value and you're 50, 60 games back, eventually you're going to have to play crummy players. And that hurts. And so then you kind of have to ask yourself the question, all right, what is better here? Do I want Robert Williams, who was, you know, 25th by totals, but only played in 61 games? Or do I want Rudy Gobert? Who was 23 by totals in 66 ball games? Because when you think about the math, you're like, okay, well, with Time Lord, I fill in 21 games. That probably covers that extra five. So Robert Williams plus 25 Divincenzo's is probably better than Rudy Gobert plus sorry 21 Divincenzo's than Rudy Gobert plus 16. But is Rudy Gobert plus 16 Divincenzo's better or worse than Robert Williams plus 21? You know, pick the guy that's uh, round worse. This analogy makes no sense because DiVincenzo was terrible last year. Uh, last year it would be like using uh, Dwight Powell as your DiVincenzo versus Denny Avdia as the next guy down the rung. Or like Patty Mills as the next guy down the rung or something like that. And I went long and we only got 25 picks in. Well, more tomorrow. Fear not. Weekend edition coming up. That'll be off-season show number 110. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Dan Baspris. Uh, This is illuminating. We're learning a lot from this one in a way that I don't think we really did from the last one. But that's why this stuff is interesting. You see where everybody's moving. You see how folks are thinking, what makes them tick. And we get into some of the theory. You guys know I love theory. Okay, that's it. Have a great Thursday, everybody. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. So long.